This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com. Or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week is August 20th. Uh, I'm your host, William Lou. Uh, apologies that there was no episode put out uh this past week um quite honestly there's just nothing to talk about uh and i couldn't get a guest in time so you know to fill in and uh, fill the dead airwaves i got joe wolf on with me what a pleasure um there's not a lot going on in raptors land but uh people want the content so let's uh let's start here the raptors um you know had their schedule released that's something um the Raptors did not get a Christmas game. You want to start there? Sure, we can. Um, I mean, look, uh, I, I don't know if this is a huge surprise. Um, I know it's like every year we kind of think that maybe this is going to be the year. And, and with all the kind of buzz around the team and acquiring Kawhi Leonard and, um, you know, just I think the fact that they're coming off a 59-win season for starters – uh, was maybe enough to push them over the top, but obviously that wasn't the case. And I mean, the team has been open about the fact that they want a Christmas game. Uh, they see it as a marker of credibility. So it kind of does suck that it didn't happen, uh, just knowing that it's something the team is pushing for and it's something that's important to them, uh, to Masai, to the front office. And I don't know. I mean, I think we know what the reasons are at this point. So beyond that, I don't know how much there really is to talk about. Yeah, that's the thing. I think people just eventually have to make their peace with it, man. Because, like, the people on Christmas want to see the marquee teams. They want to see the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trailblazers, <laughs> man. That's They want to see the New York Knicks in 2019. Actually, I guess it'll still be 2018. So, they, you know, they want to see Enos Cantor on Christmas. Like, you know, like... Uh, um. Yeah, look, I, I just, but I really do think people need to get over it just a little bit because, like, you know, it is what it is. It's unfair, and I think that's where most people get, you know, stuck on. Really, is just like the idea that, um, I guess, the Raptors, but also to sort of a larger extent, like, sort of Canadians in terms of just their Canadian place within like the U.S. Um, not media market, but I guess the U.S. conscience is like it's less than what you know the u.s thinks about the u.s it's not really equal it is different and people don't really think about canada on the same level and and i guess that kind of to a lesser degree like applies here to the raptors like 
I don't know, man. People just don't care about the Raptors. It doesn't matter that we have Kawhi. Like, we, if we had LeBron, if we had Giannis, which we will in two years, um, you know, like, maybe that changes things. But, I mean, realistically, the equation is what it is, right? Like, the the numbers just don't apply. I mean, uh, we've seen in the past how one transcendent superstar can supersede those concerns about, you know, the Nielsen ratings and all that shit. But yeah, how about Nielsen just update their ratings? All right, <laughs> like please, come on, like this no, is ridiculous. I mean, like, this is the international market. They right? had it. They had a Christmas game when Vince was here, and you know, at, at the peak of Vince sanity, like that was obviously enough. And you know, they felt like that was going to pull in enough viewers to be worthy of a Christmas game, regardless of whether they were going to count the ratings coming from Canadian markets. So, you know, I, I guess Kawhi just isn't moving the needle in the same way. I, I do think he is obviously a superstar, but not in the same way that Vince was. You mm-hmm. know, not as many people outside of Canada are going to be turning on their TVs to watch Kawhi necessarily. Sure. Uh, he's more of a darling, I think, of real, like, hoop nerds and not so much like your casual fan the way that Vince was. So I think it's understandable. Uh, it does suck. But I think there are kind of benefits of, you know, getting to root for a team that plays in Canada. Mm-hmm. And there are obviously drawbacks as well, and this is one of them. Um. The Kawhi effect was felt um, in terms of the Raptors getting national TV appearances. They got 15 this season, which is the highest um, that it's ever been for the Raptors, tied with 2000 when, you know, the height of insanity was what it was. Um, that that also doesn't factor in NBA TV games, which, I mean, if you want to count those, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a lot in more. the I think, 20s. I think it's like 29 was NBA TV games. Right. Um, I feel like Kawhi does bring a relevance to the team, but I also kind of think that, like, so people, like, clamor for relevance, but then the Raptors, like, as 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 fans, like, we also don't like what that relevance brings. And, like, realistically, when you're a really relevant team, what really that means is you get a lot of negativity around that team. Like, LeBron is a very relevant, you know, player, and his team is always very relevant, but then there's always this drama circling around him, and... We're seeing it to a lesser extent, a much, much lesser extent with Kawhi, right? Like, because, like, Kawhi gets talked about all the time, but it's never going to be in a positive light unless it's about his play. It's going to be about where he's going or what his uncle's doing, what the Spurs are saying about him, what the Raptors are saying about him, like, you know, what the the Clippers, and we'll talk about the Kawhi Clippers stuff in a second, but um, I don't know, man. I, I guess you just have to be a little bit cautious in terms of what you ask for because more media attention doesn't necessarily mean more fair media attention. Right, and I think for a lot of people, too, when you do see national media talking about the team, there's going to be a lot of frustration because national media, for the most part, is not going to give the team the same kind of attention Mm -hmm. as the local media is. They can't, you know, by necessity, like they cover the entire league. So they're not going to be able to follow the team as closely. They're not going to know as much about the Raptors as local media does. So I think for the most part, people are going to find the coverage comparatively to be lacking when there's like a U.S. broadcast crew talking about the team that they've watched maybe like seven or eight times as opposed to mm-hmm. 82 times. So um, I think a lot of times people don't really quite know what they want. And I, I understand the desire for relevance. And it, it is always really exciting when people outside of Toronto are talking about the team because, um, you know, it, it's just like makes you feel like you matter, makes you feel like the team that you root for matters. And that is really exhilarating. Like, the NBA, to me, I think is is the best sports league in the world. I say that with some measure of bias, but frankly, um, I, I feel that objectively to be the case. So to, you know, be able to follow and root for a team that matters in a league that is as exciting and relevant as the NBA, um, 
definitely offers like a jolt of adrenaline mm-hmm. that you don't really get when you're inside the bubble of just like local coverage because you get that anyway, regardless of whether the team is relevant or not. So, right. And if I must say, like the local coverage of the Raptors has really, really grown leaps and bounds in the last five years when they've you know made the playoffs and stuff, and it's it's nice to see. You know, it's it's nice to see. Um, okay, let's talk about then the most anticipated anticipated games um for the upcoming season the raptors uh open the season against the cavaliers that should be an easy revenge win. game baby revenge game baby oh man jr smith you were, we're coming for you baby we're coming for you um so that's an easy win right there but um the raptors uh, you mentioned one of the most uh, anticipated games for you is that second game right there on october 19th against the celtics yeah i just think it's awesome right off the bat to be getting a crack at the team that I think most have pegged as the favorites in the East. And, you know, it's an ESPN game. I'm really excited, first of all, to see what the Celtics look like uh, when they are whole again mm-hmm. with Hayward back, uh, with Kyrie back, and, you know, seeing what kind of leaps those young guys may have taken in the offseason. Obviously, that's going to be a formidable team, and I'm just really excited to see how the Raptors stack up. And, uh, you know, that game's going to be at home. Again, it's going to be on national TV. So there's going to be a lot of buzz and uh, a lot of excitement. I'm jacked up. I think people are going to be a little bit surprised because I think most people have the Celtics ahead of the Raptors. But I think in a head-to-head matchup, the Raptors have always played the Celtics really well. Um, And I think the the way the Raptors roster is constructed currently with the amount of wing defenders that the Raptors have and the flexibility they have even in the front court with a guy like Siakam, um, and even to a much lesser degree, surge like they're gonna really take it to the Celtics, and um, you know I, I think the Celtics have the advantage of like a little bit more continuity, especially defensively. But I mean, if they're able to successfully integrate Kawhi early in the season and and get that part humming, then I don't really see the Raptors losing that game, right? Like that, the Raptors should be favored in that game because it's at the ACC. The Raptors have had a great like. What, They've just had a great record at home over the last couple of years, and the way we play the Celtics is is always going to be competitive. Yes, that's that's always going to be fun. Um, you also mentioned November fourth, LeBron comes to town in a new jersey. I think it's actually the the Raptors are in L.A. for that. Oh, game. we're in L.A. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're um, we're always in L.A. for early November. <laughs> yeah. So. Great time. I mean, I I think it's obvious. Like LeBron has destroyed the Raptors for three years in a row, and. Oh, but we'll so, see. Suddenly, we haven't beat them since that game. Like JV, like clotheslined them, and and I think Lou Williams had like twenty three in the first quarter or something like that in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. they beat them in Toronto last year. Like they That's slapped true. them up by like thirty four points. That, that was, one didn't really count. That was Isaiah Thomas shot like one of fifteen in that game. Whatever for for a couple of months, like until we had to play them again, it was pretty glorious. True to hold on to that, but um, I mean, look, the the Raptors have a LeBron stopper now, something they've never really had. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, we had the LeBron stop. The LeBron and I'm, stop we're not talking like the, Stanley Johnson either. <laughs> yeah, I, that's right. Like the oh, the man. yeah, Damari Carroll. Who else can we throw into that mix? PJ, baby. Right. Uh, the oh, preeminent man. LeBron stopper, or anybody stopper for that matter. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's going to be really cool to to see how that matchup uh, dynamic kind of changes with Kawhi in the fold, and. I think regardless, there's going to be a ton of buzz around the Lakers all season long. Mm-hmm. So 
That's going to be a hugely anticipated matchup. I think that one's also on ESPN, no? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so. we play – I mean, look, we play most of the marquee games on ESPN. I don't I don't think that necessarily is necessarily reflecting on the Raptors, but it's still nice. Like, we get to – if the Raptors have great games in those specific performances, then, you know, that helps build the hype for the team. Like, the Raptors play the Celtics twice on ESPN. They play the Lakers. They play the Philadelphia. They play, um, you know, Golden State. Like, yeah. it's, it's a – I don't know. It's just but, but, so, it, I really have no complaints with in terms of like the coverage of the season. Like no. this is a, a, as appropriate as it gets. Like the Raptors are probably second tier in terms of just how marketable they are, and it's being reflected in the way they're being covered. And like, I also think there's like a pretty interesting narrative surrounding the team. You right. know what I'm saying? And like the fact that nobody quite knows what's going on in Kawhi's head. No one quite knows what's going on with Kawhi's body. And these games are going to be measuring sticks. You know, that first game against the Celtics is going to be a measuring stick. Everybody is going to be watching when they go up against LeBron to see whether, you know, they have managed to figure out that matchup and whether they are basically closing the gap, whether, you know, they have set themselves up to have more playoff success than they've had in the past. That's going to be, I think, the narrative that dogs the season all, the, the team all season long. Mm. And um, those games, getting those games early on, I think, you know, is going to be a great way to, to, um, give the team a bit of a yardstick to start the season out. True. Um, another the one that I guess is, these are this is two games, but um, what really caught my eye when I first looked at the schedule was uh, the Raptors play a home and home against Oklahoma City um, March twentieth and twenty uh, second. Um, one of those games will be on ESPN, um, and the other isn't. But it, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I just think that like. A, OKC has always really played the Raptors tough. Um, I've Just off the top of my head, you can recall a lot of really great Raptors Thunder games over the you know past couple of years. There was that game where you know KD pulled up on Amir Johnson in overtime from like 35 feet out. That was devastating. really devastating. Um, there, was, uh, there was a game where the Raptors went to Oklahoma City in like 2013 during that like run where they sort of you know started to find expectations after the Rudy Gay trade. That was a really exciting game. The Raptors won that one. Um, and then even last year, like that game that snapped the Raptors' eleven-game win streak, that was against OKC. It was very competitive right down to the end. Um, and you know, in the end, the Raptors' defense just couldn't do anything against Russell Westbrook and Stephen Adams. I think Stephen Adams shot like twelve or thirteen or something from the field. The the Russ <laughs> Adams pick and roll that game was insane, and and yeah. it was really frustrating because the Raps kept insisting on going over screens on Westbrook. Yep, and it kept not working. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just getting diced up, but. That was a really entertaining game. Just like an yeah. absolute shootout, too. I think it was like 132 to 126 in the end. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, always an entertaining game. and I just think that like that game is going to be really good for our defense, like heading into the playoffs. Like You need a couple of those games to sharpen you up and to play the same team back-to-back um, and a really potent offensive club, right? Like, you got Paul George, who, you know, has had his success against the Raptors, um, you know, see the 2016 playoffs. Um you know, Russell Westbrook is obviously a high-volume guy, but he can be extremely effective, and we've seen that against the Raptors as well. And then even Steven Adams is just a really tough pick-and-roll partner um, that has historically hurt the Raptors. And I think the Raptors need, like, a sharp test going into the playoffs because, like, after that game, so that's March 20th and March 22nd, the Raptors play Charlotte, Chicago, New York, Chicago, Orlando, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Miami, Minnesota. So, like, you really don't have another game to really, like, test your mettle, right? Maybe that Miami game at the end, although I, I'm a little bit weary of playing Miami hard at the end of the season after what happened last year with Bam Adebayo and Fred. 
Uh, and then I guess Minnesota to end the year. But like the last game of the season is like the most inconsequential one. They can just shut down Kawhi after that home and home against Thunder. Exactly right. So like I really want to look at that game in terms of just as um, as a nice uh, statement game. But honestly, I think the, with the way the Raptors schedule is set up, like from March <laughs> onward, like this team, like, they're not playing good teams. They play Houston one time. New Orleans is you know eh, whatever. They play LA at home, so that's. Not even that hard, in my opinion. And then the OKC game, um, the two there. And then the rest of them are pretty much just either fringe playoff teams or, you know, decidedly trash. So, um, I mean, the thing that people are probably going to have to get used to is the Raptors are going to be favored in almost every game they play. Right? Like, you know, like the... Obviously, like, road games against the Celtics. Maybe your odd road game against the Sixers. Mm. Against the Warriors. Against the Rockets. But against pretty much any other team... uh, the, the Raptors are going to be favored. Like they're, yep. they should expect to be a top four team in the NBA. Like they have the talent level uh, to be up there in the mix with the Celtics, with the Rockets. Obviously, you know I don't think anybody's on the Warriors level, but in that next tier, I think it's it's Rockets, Celtics, and Raptors. And I don't know that anybody else quite ascends to that tier. Maybe you could argue Utah, mm. um, maybe the Thunder if you know they manage to figure things out in year two of Paul George and no Melo, uh, but. To me, like the, the Raptors are closer to being on a level with Boston and Houston than they are with like the Jazz or the Thunder or the Sixers. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on. Greg Monroe signed with the Raptors uh, officially, and uh, he made an appearance on TSN 1050. It's kind of a short interview, but you know it was cool. He talked about uh, not backing down from JV. If you guys recall, Game Five, 2017, first round series against Milwaukee Bucks. JV blocks. Uh, this is at the ACC. Um, JV blocks Monroe and then oddly enough on the rebound like neither of them really close to it but JV locks up Monroe's arm and kind of like pulls him over the shoulder a little bit Monroe takes exception to it Monroe is very slow in transition defense and we'll see that next season Um, so JV beats him down the floor which really tells you how slow Monroe could be on on transition defense but uh, JV gets fouled by Chris Middleton at the rim because he's about to go for a layup and then Monroe comes over and confronts him Um, you know Monroe just said that look he doesn't like it's just you know, competing and there's no bad blood between the two of them. But um, do you, what do you first off, what do you think like Monroe's role is going to be with this team? Like, do you feel like he's going to be that enforcer guy in a, in, in a sense, in addition to, you know, I guess being the backup center? And also, do you feel like there's a bit of redundancy with Monroe and JV? Yeah, I do think there's a bit of redundancy. And I almost wonder whether that's by design. You know, Monroe is a guy who I think, in the event of of a big man getting injured, like he's a guy who you can expect to slot in and get you know starter kind of minutes, like you know twenty five minutes a game, and and hold his own. Like he's like you said, he's slow um, and he's not exactly a prototypical modern center, but he is a very solid post player. Uh, he's really a good, good passer. passer. Yeah. Um, I think he's got nice footwork and, uh, you know, he, he's a good finisher. So he does a lot of things that are, are going to allow him to be successful, at least at the offensive end of the floor, where, you know, if JV were to go down, then you kind of have Monroe to step in and be a pretty good facsimile of, of what JG, JV gives you. So, the redundancy maybe is like a little bit by design. I, I, as far as his role, I don't know. Like what I think it should be is as a specialist, basically right. a guy who probably on some nights when you're playing like teams that are going small yeah. or super athletic and fast teams that can space out the floor, maybe he doesn't play. Right. But then against teams that are trying to go big and, and trying to hurt you down low with like a bruiser, um, 
And we, and we saw this a couple times last year. You know, like, I, I remember a game the Raptors were playing in San Antonio, and they were just getting absolutely oh, abused yeah, on yeah. the glass. On the road, yeah, yeah. And JV wasn't playing in that game. I think he was hurt. Yeah. Um, that was the one where we played San Antonio and Golden State back-to-back. Yeah, that's right. And, and Aldridge was just, like, eating Ibaka's lunch. And the Raptors didn't really have a way to counter. So I think, you know... did Ibaka try to fight him in that game? Yeah, he got tossed, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, oh, Ibaka. But, yeah, I mean, so I think in those situations, it'll be nice to have a guy like Monroe, who's a big body, who can rebound. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you can throw out there to kind of counter uh, other traditional big lineups. But, you know, apart from that, he is probably, like, your third center. Right. Or like second and a half because you I think you, second and a half is probably the right one. Yeah, right? because to me, like you want to see Ibaka playing some center. I, I definitely do want to see. Ibaka you playing probably want to see Siakam playing some center. You know, uh, like no, you don't like that. He's just so small, man. He's small. Like he's just, it's it's like he has he tries really hard, but he's like he's a power forward. That's all. That's, he's just a little bit too small. Yeah, he's like two hundred twenty pounds. I, I think like it, in, it the, in the right the situations matchup. that you could okay. you could play him at center and I, I just think that they could put so many interesting lineups together. True, um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Monroe's just your straight backup center, but yeah. um, I, I don't think it'll go that way just because I I feel like the team would probably prefer to have a little bit of like flexibility and, and be able to throw some like change sure. of pace and different looks out there and if you're just going from like jv at center to monroe at center like you don't really have a chance to do that and especially if you look at kind of like how the second unit last year brought this sort of change of pace from the starters yeah monroe might compromise that a bit because as you right. said he like doesn't really get up and down the floor that well yeah he doesn't have the same role as Pirtle. but i think the one area where monroe can help the bench uh is well, I guess two areas. One, I think the bench sometimes struggled if the defense was really good. They couldn't they couldn't generate turnovers and get offense that way. Um, that like you know their half court offense wasn't great. A lot of it was just CJ Miles taking pretty difficult threes because everyone else had uh, difficulty scoring. I think Monroe could be that guy where you could put it into the post a little bit, and get an easier basket, and um, you know that. Uh, and in that respect, I think they can help them. But I also think defensively. Um, He's not going to force nearly as many turnovers or as many deflections. Like, Pirtle led the team in blocks last year, which is impressive for a guy coming off the bench. Um, I think it's also, like, people probably forget this because he was so bad in the playoffs, but Pirtle was really good defensively during the regular season. Like, he was an absolute ace rim protector. And when him and Siakam were on the floor together, like, people just did not score at the rim, ever. Yeah, um, and those guys also just obviously had a, a nice offensive chemistry with those, right. their interior passing. So, uh, you know, it, it feels weird to say this because Pirtle was just some sort of like kind of anonymous second year player. But people overlook Pirtle a lot. Yeah. man. he's really good. Like, I mean, Charles Barkley just said earlier today for some strange reason that Pirtle's one of the most underrated players. Which I'm like, yo, listen, if you recognize that, like, good on you, man. Good on you, Chuck, for for watching Raptors basketball and look and looking up the bench mob and stuff. But I, I think the one area where Monroe can help the bench defensively is with rebounding. Like the Raptors just were not good at securing securing defensive rebounds last year when JV wasn't on the floor. Mm-hmm. And to have another big body like Monroe can help in that regard. And and because he's a nice passer, um, I'm not saying he's like Kevin Love levels of outlet passing, but also like. Like, just having a guy who can grab the rebound and then push up the floor to a guy like Siakam, who's going to lead the break. DeLon's going to lead the break. CJ can even handle a little bit. Um, Fred's obviously going to lead the break. Like, just to get someone who can secure those rebounds and, 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 I don't know, 
I, you know, fuel the fast break. I think that helps uh, a little bit, and, may, and maybe the Raptors have to figure out a new way to play. But there's skill sets there. Like Monroe is not a bad backup center whatsoever. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, he's probably not the guy that I would have picked, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's hard to gripe about him being like you know the fourteenth roster spot, yeah. right? Like, and they signed him like the end of July, like or early August. Like, who else was out there? Like, you. you you know, are we getting Bebe, Bebe. back? <laughs> uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't we'll mind Bebe. seeing Bebe back just because, like, you know, what we were saying, he he helps bring a little bit of a change of pace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the team is a little bit light on rim protection, and I, sure. I would have liked to have another rim protector in the mix, and Monroe doesn't really give you that. So, look, I don't know. I, I, I think that it'll be fine. Um, I, yeah, it's not super exciting and super sexy, but... Um, I think it's, you know, as far as roster moves on the margins and and guys who are going to, like, nudge your floor up just a little bit, I think it's a pretty good move. Yeah, actually, all things considered, I would rather the Raptors sort of, like, got rid of Malachi Richardson and then use that roster spot to get Bebe, but I just don't think it's that realistic for them to... After Malachi showed out in Summer League? Come on. Did he show in Summer League? I don't know. (laughs) I wasn't (laughs) watching the games. Wow. That's what I heard. Um... It was okay. He he had games where he looked like Terrence Ross, but like that's at the very best to see like and he doesn't dunk like Terrence Ross. Although Terrence Ross didn't really use his athleticism um that effectively in the first place. Um yeah, Mom, I mean, Monroe said that Nick Nurse assured him that um you know, the offense pretty much won't change too much from last season and he's going to be comfortable in it and Monroe said, you know, based on what he heard, he liked the deal. Obviously, he took the minimum to come to the Raptors. Um, I think this actually might be the first instance where a Raptor, where a player signed at a discount with the Raptors specifically with the goal of contending, and I don't really recall other instances of this ever. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know either. Like, I, I don't know what kind of other offers out there there were for Monroe. Apparently, so. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Monroe says like there were other op- options, but I mean, like, Obviously look, if it's he's the minimum, then <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it's the minimum, then yeah, of course you probably have that from other teams as well. But but if he was going to take the minimum anyway, I mean, this this is where I start to wonder because what kind of assurances were made about what his role was going to be? Because mm-hmm. Monroe, to me, I mean, he's a guy who has been you know like a fifteen, sixteen point a game scorer right. pretty recently. And even last I, I would, year was over ten. Yeah, so I, I mean, look, I wouldn't say he's like a particularly proud player. Obviously, he uh, came off the bench for the Bucks and didn't put up a stink about it at all. Like he's been mm. a good soldier, and right. So you know, I don't think that he would necessarily let pride get in the way of of like a long term goal, like competing for a championship. But he would probably want some assurance that he wasn't just gonna be like a token you know, like a bench guy who was playing 10 minutes a game. You know, I feel like yeah. he probably wanted some measure of consistency with his role and, and you know, like a like stable minutes. So I, I don't know what was promised or what was suggested, but I feel like he was probably going into this expecting that he was going to be like full-time backup center and not a bit player. True. Um, I have a point here about extending DeLon Wright. Um, Interesting. Okay, so... The Raptors, like, I think they've had this conversation last summer as well when the possibility came up to extend him. Um, they have another possibility this summer to do so. Um, and I, well, No, the po- was the possibility there last summer? I don't know, man. <laughs> Let's just say it was. I don't think it was. The possibility is here right now. Okay. Um, and the Raptors, 
obviously, I think they like DeLon Wright. They like him a lot. But um, I think DeLon, I don't know. They might have. They might need to wait out the market on DeLon. Let let DeLon hit restricted free agency and and sort of set his price because. I think while the Raptors like generally like to extend their guys, like you look at Norm, right? They did that with Norm. Um, I just think right now, in terms of with how much uncertainty uh, is on their books going into next season, that like Delon might not necessarily be the caliber of player where they try to lock him up. Which you know is is hard to say because like they gave Norm a bigger contract, and Norm is not you know as good of a player as Delon is. But Delon is also going to be like twenty six or twenty seven this year, and. Um, you know, he hasn't really been more than a bench guy yet, so I don't know. Where do, where do you stand on sort of extending the lawn, right? Especially since that the Raptors have now um, given Fred a new contract as well. I don't think the Fred contract should necessarily preclude them from trying to get DeLon locked up to an extension. Like, the Fred deal is only for two years, and, you know, Lowry's contract is going to be up that same time, so... You would probably like to have some contingency in place, and I do think that DeLon could be a part of their long-term future. If they can come to an agreement on a reasonable deal, like I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do it. The question is, you know, whether DeLon, who, as you said, is you know going to be going into his age 27 season, is going to be willing to do that rather than taking a shot in free agency. The other thing to consider is like he could be looking at that as like first of all like half the league are going to be free agents next year and he's going to be an rfa which is already really tough on players if he gets a deal that looks all right i mean maybe his agent is saying to him look like you're going to be an rfa next year when there's going to be like a ton of high-end free agents this might be as good as you're going to be able to do uh especially you know given the fact that as a backup on the raptors and like if he was going into the season thinking that he was going to start, thinking that he was going to have like a chance to prove himself uh, as, you know, like at least somebody who could put up stats, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to somebody who's who's buried on a bench of like a team that has, not buried, but like uh, coming off the bench for a team that has incredible point guard depth, where it's maybe harder for him to stand out. I don't know how much he can really boost his value, you know, at least on the open market. So maybe that's an opportunity to jump in there and say, I don't know. What would you be comfortable giving? Like, would you would you give him like a four year, thirty six million dollar deal? Four years, thirty two, something like that. The thing is, like, they would lock up like the remainder of his prime, which is right. like a nice little boost, right? Because like, if you're gonna pay for the years of Delon Wright, that's the years. And if you're confident that his shoulder injury is not gonna be a consistent thing, then I think there's no real harm in locking him up to a long term contract that's like worth like less than ten million dollars a year. Because I think he's gonna be a solid guy, like. So let's say it was four years, 32. Like, if you're the Raptors, you do yeah. that? If yeah. you're DeLon, do you do that? If I'm DeLon, I probably just wait. That's all, right? Like, because I, I think, like, going into next season, like, there's going to be a lot more cap room out there. The thing is, I don't really know how many other teams are going to become hard after him. They might, He might look at a situation like what Fred had this year, where Fred was a restricted free agent. He didn't really get that many offers, right? Like, the, like I, this year was a very different cap climate or whatever. It was a bit unfortunate for Fred to hit the market that way. But Fred was, like, probably the second or third best point guard available, uh, and he got $8 million per year for two years, right? So, But that was... That was weird, man. And, like, he should have gotten, like, a bigger offer from a team like the Suns or from a team like the Magic, from a team like the Knicks. Like No, the the Magic were cool just getting Jerry and Grant. It was just strange that, like, these 
teams that really needed point guards and like could have potentially like had a guy who could be their point guard of the future. Yeah, uh, you know they couldn't have beat what nine million dollars a year, like two years, eighteen million. Like that's nice for us, but it was. Yeah. But I just I, I didn't really get that, and I don't know if you can. I don't know, man. I, like I think if if the same situation were presented next summer or any other summer i just feel Mm -hmm. like uh some other team would be smart enough to like roll the dice on a young point guard who had shown that they had the capability of being at least a low-end starter yeah and i think the one thing with delon is just i don't really get the sense that he's like a very ambitious person which i think could cut one of both ways right the fact that he is sort of um more sort of collaborative in terms of his his approach towards the game like it helps because he can now play off the ball and he's getting much much better playing off the ball he shot 36 percent from three last year which is really nice considering um, where he started out from and he's always been a late bloomer right so like i'm confident that even though he is 26 years old he could still make improvements we've seen him do that we still think of him as a young player even though he's you know in his already in his prime but um yeah but also, I think it cuts away from him because I don't think he's going to be one of those guys like Marcus Smart that goes into a restricted free agency and he turns down this big money and then, you know, he's really prideful on this and this and this. Like, I, I, he's not kind of Nerlens Noel type, right, who turned down that big contract and now is earning the minimum, right? So, I, I don't know. I, I guess if I had to revise, actually, I feel like if I'm DeLon, if I can get that fourth year as a player option, like, I probably would take that deal. Or maybe even something shorter, like a three-year deal, carry him over, he would sign his next contract, still in his 20s, another big payday coming, like... I don't know. I think the Raptors, if they really wanted to, they got to work. Some, they can work something out with him. It's just like they also have to be just worried about their cap room going forward because right. it's their books are pretty stuffed for this year. And if they re-sign Kawhi next year, then they really, really need to move some money, um, even if it's just off one year because you know Kyle Lowry and, and Serge are going to be expiring. But um, yeah, but the thing I, is, it's, if, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be tricky. I guess if the season goes well enough that Kawhi wants to stick around. Mm-hmm. I feel like the luxury tax concerns start to become secondary. And it's not, yeah, it's not to sure. say that they're not going to be an issue, sure. but like if you have to pay the tax for one more year and it's because Kawhi is re-signing, yeah. I, I think you swallow that gratefully. Like, yeah. And I think now they're you know maybe feeling a little bit skittish about it because they don't know how good the team is going to be and they don't know if Kawhi is just going to be a rental. Mm-hmm. But again, like they're they're not looking at being a repeater tax team, right? Like for now, you know, assuming that they finish the season in the luxury tax, this is still just one year, mm-hmm. and I feel like they can afford to take more of a longer view. And doing that maybe does mean trying to lock up Delon on like a cost controlled deal. But again, I I think I see it from the Raptors' angle. I don't know if I see it from his angle like I think he probably feels like he has more room to grow and he's going to want to test free agency I just I don't know I I honestly don't know if that's actually going to if that would actually work out for him just because yes there's going to be more cap space next summer but there are going to be so many free agents to spend that cap space on that an RFA who mm-hmm. has never been a starter before. Oh, he'd have to wait. He'd could have to wait out well the whole market. out in the cold. Yeah, exactly. That's always the risk. Um, and you talk about Marcus Smart. Like, Smart, the Celtics were, like, had all the leverage in that yeah, situation. Yeah, and they were very right? generous to even offer him that same deal they offered yeah. him last year. He was he not getting down. anywhere close to that from any other team, I don't think. So Yeah, and then look at Rodney Hood. Bro, yeah. someone please sign Rodney Hood. It's making me really sad, man. Come on. He scored 17 points a game last year. I know he was terrible with the, the, with the Cavs in the playoffs, but this is... It's getting out of hand. A lot of the teams, half the teams in the league won't even make the playoffs. You don't have to worry about that. Um, All right, lastly, let's end with this, all right? The Clippers 
have announced themselves as a destination potentially for Kawhi Leonard by firing Bruce Bowen. First off, this is the most clipper ass shit right here. This is such like secondary small market thinking. I mean, I know they're in LA, but it's like they really operate like a small market because it's the Clippers and to fire a guy who look, if you just wanted to fire a guy, fire a guy. But don't put out this whole, you know, image that like, oh, they fired him because he said some negative things about Kawhi that weren't even that negative. Like it just seems like a little bit of a spin job here just to like, you know, kiss up to Kawhi. And like realistically, do we even know the kind of person Kawhi is that he wants Someone to kiss up to him? Like, do you think Kawhi's going to come into the meeting next year and be like, you know what, I'm going to sign with you guys because you guys fired Bruce Bowen as your color commentator. Like, It's a bad look. It's, it's like, kind of pathetic, man. It's, it really is. Yeah. you. I mean, you're just immediately looking, I think, super desperate, right? Already. He didn't say anything, and it's not even this summer. Like, what, right. what, No one's going to remember this even a year from now. If anything, people are just going to make fun of this if that doesn't work out. There's no upside, really, at least for me. Unless they, he hates Bruce Bowen that much that he just wants to, you know, keep him from get, being employed. Like, that's... Yeah. Or I don't know. If, like, <laughs> someone in Kawhi's camp, like, you know, went to the Clippers behind the scenes and were like, look, if you want to have any shot next summer, like, yeah. you got to fire Bruce Bowen right now. Because <laughs> we don't want him on the airwaves talking shit about Kawhi all season long. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I just think... It's weird because the Clippers have been like pretty competent, I think, yeah. for the last couple of years uh, since Ballmer took over and and you know they kind of restructured their front office and Jerry right. West is there and they've been making pretty smart decisions. Yeah, the Blake Griffin like, move was good. Yeah, like so. they they snaked him completely. Way worse than they snaked uh, the Raptors snaked Demar. Uh, they mock retired Blake Griffin's jersey and put him on T-shirts with luminaries such as Martin Luther King. Um, but uh, and then yeah, they traded him like like four months later to Detroit, to Detroit, not even to San Antonio or like a good franchise to Detroit in the middle of January from L.A. Anyway, nevertheless, they've been making smart decisions, I think, for the last little while. Mm. So it was a little bit weird and jarring to see them acting like the weird, pathetic, desperate, thirsty as Clippers. There's, this is a super thirst move right yeah. here. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, what Bruce said about Kawhi, which was like in some random-ass interview, which, by the way, no one remembered this interview, and now that they fired him, people aren't going to look up this interview to see what Bruce said in the first place. So you're really just drawing more attention to this issue, um, which you don't want to do. But what Bruce said was, you know, he heard, quote, nothing but excuses um, out of Kawhi for why he's not playing for the Spurs. Obviously, Bruce Bowen, you know, had his jersey retired by the Spurs and everything like that, which is kind of sad in its own run. But, um and that, you know, Kawhi was, quote, getting bad advice. So, I mean, and the second comment might be the worst one there just because, you know, Kawhi's camp might not like that. But, like, realistically, this is a very run-of-the-mill comment. And, like, a lot of people have made that comment about, about Kawhi, right? So, um, I just don't really see... A lot see of people you... in the Spurs made those kind of comments about yeah. Kawhi last year. So, exactly. Like, what did that really add to the situation in terms of how did that make him look bad? And then, also, by firing Bruce Bowen, you just know he's going to go to the press and talk more about this stuff. So... I, I don't know, man. But anyway, so he trashed um, the Clippers on the way out. You know, he said, um, you know, if you can't do that, which if that being like criticize a player, then what does it say about your organization? Um, and that he said Kawhi has never he's never said he wanted to play for the Clippers. And uh, and, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of small, small time thinking. And it's super thirsty. But at least the, the Clippers have announced themselves as a potential Kawhi destination. Yeah, I 
pose. Buddy, he's going to want to go play with whoever they have out there. He wants to go play with Boban, you know, his old, his old teammate. Um, oh, yeah, they were teammates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a weird situation because, again, like, Kawhi has not spoken on any of this stuff. So it's it seems like it's all just people trying to, like, put the pieces together and and figure out what he wants. And... To me, the Clippers kind of missed the mark, but I don't really know. You know, I have no way of knowing what Kawhi wants, and maybe what he wanted was for Bruce Bowen to be fired so that he could go and sign the Clippers with the Clippers with a clear conscience next summer. Like, I'm not in a position to say, but, like, I don't know if that's the move that's going to get it done. Yeah. Well, we have somehow found a way to stretch out 40 minutes of Raptors content in the dead of August. Um, Joey. Thank you for this. It's man, a huge favor, my pleasure. man. Nobody's trying to talk about Raptors right now. I will talk about Raptors any time of year, yeah. happily. Whatever there is to talk about, I will I will talk about it. So thanks for having me on, and uh, you know, it's always a pleasure. Is it your turn to shout out Pound the Rock this time? Yeah, I'll shout out Pound the Rock. That's right. Um, That's for those right. of you who aren't already listening, uh, Pound Shame the Rock is uh, the Scores NBA podcast hosted by Will, myself, Joseph Cacharo. Uh We put it out weekly. We pretend we're not Raptors fans, but we talk about every Raptors topic ever. We bring a level of objectivity to it that we don't necessarily bring to this podcast, I think. But mm. um, yeah, it's uh, ah, it's a good pod, and um, you know we're always trying to uh, to get new listeners. So uh, you know, if you have time on your commute or uh, whenever it happens to be um, washing dishes, that's the best time. Yeah, for sure. Doing doing chores around the house always a good time to throw on a podcast. Yeah. Um, so check it out and uh, subscribe. Give us a review, whatever. Um, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, you know the most recent episodes for this week, we covered the uh, over/under uh, win totals for both the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. And there's plenty of slander for the Eastern Conference because the Eastern Conference deserves plenty of slander. So um, listen to that. Listen to this podcast. It'll be back next week. Again, apologies for that one week uh, hiatus. I mean, honestly, there was just nothing to talk about. So we didn't talk about anything. But um, it'll be back. It'll be back. And hopefully we will get some guests lined up um, to fill some of the dead air in the off season. And, you know, right before we know it, it'll be training camp and we'll be talking about the same topics over and over again. So I, I can't wait. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com/safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.